There we go. Perfect. All right. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And church, hadn't it already been good to be in the house of God this morning? We, I, I was able to put that in my outline before I even got here this morning because I knew before I even got here this morning uh, that uh, we would have a good time in the music service and in the service thus far this morning. I'm so thankful for our church. Brother Mike, Brother Gary, just let me know they can't hear it out there on those vestibule speakers. So if you'll open that channel out there. Uh, this morning, we've had a good service so far and I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for each and every part of our church. I'm thankful for our pastor this morning. Even though he's away preaching this morning for his mission board, I'm thankful that he's loving, that he's He's kind, he's compassionate, he's wise, and he loves us, and he even lets young knuckleheads like me get up here and preach on a Sunday morning. So never cease to pray and be thankful for our pastor. I'm thankful for our song leader that was just up here, uh, and I'm thankful that his heart, and I mean this in a loving, kindly way, in a joking way, we have a good time, Brother Harold's heart is just as big as his mouth. Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're allowed to have a big mouth as long as your heart's just as big. Amen. Uh, he does so much for our church and so much for the young people of this church. I'm thankful for all the soldiers of our church. I'm thankful for all those that serve in each and every way. Uh, no matter what's going on, we always seem to have soldiers that get involved in ministries that are alive and well. I'm thankful that we have ministries this morning that are alive and well at Anchor of Hope. There are churches meeting together this morning that are praying for what we have. All right. Never take that for granted. There are People coming to congregations all over our area that are praying for what we have. They're praying for the unity that we have. They're praying for the ministry opportunities that we have. They're praying for the uh, fellowship and uh, fellowship that we have here at Anchor of Hope. So I never want to take that for granted. And this morning's message preached to me as a checkup from the neck up and uh, it preached to me as things that we have precepts and we have doctrines and we have scriptures in our Bible that are given to us so that we can make sure that we are doing things for the right reasons. Before we get into God's word this morning, by introduction, I want to tell you that at work, at my job at Bass Pro Shops, uh, some people here didn't know I worked at another place other than here at the church, but I do. I work at Bass Pro Shops and I'm the service manager of the boat shop there. We sell boats and service boats as well and uh, uh, it works out because we're closed on Sundays and we get out of there every day at five o'clock. So I'm able to uh, serve here as the youth pastor and as a helper to do whatever needs to be done. But at work in the past few months, I've been given the, the duty uh, to train some other service managers that have been hired for other locations around our area. The Huntsville one and the uh, Atlanta one and the uh, Winchester, Tennessee one. And, and they come in and they spend a week with me and uh, they, they, they spend a week with me and I try to pour into them as much as I can before I send them back to their dealership and their boat shop for them to work. And the number one thing I try to pour into them is not this process or this process. It's not this operational procedure or this operational procedure. It's not checking every box or crossing every T or dotting every I for that's something that the world really pushes and that the world really likes. But what I try to pour into these service managers while they're with me for one week is the why behind doing what they do. Because if they don't understand why they have to do it, then they probably aren't going to do it. Would somebody you know, agree with that thought, thought process that if they get involved in procedures and they get involved in policies and they get involved in operations and they get involved in all the inner workings of the business, but they don't know why they're doing it, many times they'll be led to question, why am I even doing this? 
Why am I even showing up? Why am I even coming and checking all these boxes and crossing all these T's and dotting all this I's? But if I can get them to understand the why behind what they're going to do, then they understand the whole goal of the team is nationwide. The whole goal of the team is representative of the entire company. And if they can really get a hold of the why behind their doing what they do, then they'll be productive and they'll be successful and they'll have a good business to run and they'll be able to earn promotions and they'll be able to do because they understand the why. In churches all over this country, we have people that are eager to serve and we have people that are eager to get involved and we have people that are eager to uh, go in, lace up their boots and serve the Lord. But many times they get caught up in the operations and the policies and the procedures and the religious things and they never understand the why. They know Jesus saved them. They know he's forgiven them of their sins. He knows that they know that they're cast as far as the east is from the west. But as far as their little lives and their little jobs and their little places that God has given them and my little life and my little family and my little calling that God's given me, a lot of times it's easy to lose sight of the why we do what we do. God has given us, each and every one of us, individual, individual abilities, individual skill sets, individual insecurities, individual things that we're good at, individual things that we're not good at. He's made each and every one of us completely and totally unique and different, and he's given us all some things in common, and that is a body. He's given us a body this morning. He's given us an earthly body. He's given us an evangelical body. And he's given us an everlasting body if we're saved by his grace this morning. So for just a few minutes, I want to preach on his body, his choice. His body, his choice. Let's stand all over the house in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 12. The Bible this morning says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul that wrote this book. And God, I pray and I thank you for the fact that we are all one body and that we all have one body and that we're all promised one everlasting body. And God, I pray this morning that we, each and every one of us, take a look at our own lives as you've challenged me this week as preparing this message. Each and every one of us take a look at our own lives and see, do we have a life and a body of surrender or do we have a life and a body of pride this morning? God, I pray that if there's one in here that's lost, that has not surrendered their lives to you for salvation, God, I pray that that you do that in their lives for them this morning, that you draw them to a place where they confess and repent of their sins and be saved. God, if there's one in here this morning that is saved, that is heaven bound, but they're not completely and totally surrendered to you and your plan for their life, God, I pray that you make that happen this morning as only as you can. Get me out of your way. Fill me with your spirit. Help this to be a blessing to this thy people. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. This morning we're going to talk about his body, his choice. Normally, I preach an expositional style of message where we take one passage of Scripture and we go line by line, verse by verse. And this morning, I told Brother Dan I was going to be preaching a topical message, so we're going to be jumping around Scripture to Scripture. But I told him I would repent of it next Sunday. 
All right. Uh, we know that you know the topical versus expositional. Uh, expositional is a huge debate in the preacher community. But the truth of the matter is, God's word is God's word, and as long as you are preaching God's word, you are doing God's will this morning. Amen. So we are going to be looking at several passages of Scripture, and the first one is going to be First Corinthians. Uh, verse number th- chapter number 3, verse 16. And we're going to think about this thought that our earthly body is his. Our earthly body is his. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And verse number 20 says, uh, verse number 20 of chapter number 6 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This morning our earthly body is His. This means some things matter about our earthly body. Because before we can get to point number three of our everlasting body and jump and shout and say amen that this world is not our home and that we will get a new body and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, we have to also understand the fact that our earthly body that's been given, us, given unto us here to tabernacle in and to dwell in belongs to God. He created it. He is the one that created it. He is the one that designed its purpose. He is the one that designed its nature. Each and every part from our eyes to our uh, inner workings of our organism of our body has been carefully, fearfully, and wonderfully made by a sovereign creator, and he has given it to us as our responsibility to take care of, but it belongs to him. That means some things matter about our body. What we let in our mouth matters. Obviously, this is the one Bryce struggles with the most, so we're just going to get it out of the way first. What we put in our mouth matters. There's a difference between satisfying the needs of our flesh when it comes to what we eat and how we eat and indulging the wants of our needs, the wants of our flesh, okay? See, it just tried to get me there. But I need it, okay? That Krispy Kreme light sign is flashing. I need it. Okay? There's a difference between satisfying the wants of our flesh when it comes to putting things in our mouth and indulging the wants of our flesh this morning. Uh, when you look at the fact that <clears throat> some people will look down on folks for doing drugs and drinking alcohol and having addictions and putting things in their body, yet people, and I'm preaching to myself just as much as I am anybody in here, will walk into a golden corral and will indulge the wants of our flesh beyond measure and we'll be driving home so sick that we can't even move, we can't even take a deep breath. Why? Because we indulge the sin nature of our flesh. It is Satan's goal to attack our flesh and everybody has their vice. Everybody has their thing that they're struggling with But the fact that our body belongs to God means it matters what we put into our mouths. It matters. We can look down our pharisaical nose and get on people for smoking a cigarette or get on people for chewing tobacco or get on people for doing a drug or taking a pill. We can look down our nose, but if we'll remember that what we put in our mouth matters, a lot of times we'll have a checkup from the neck up and we'll realize that if we wanted to lose weight, all we needed to do is three push aways a day, three push ourselves away from the table a day, and we wouldn't be in the situation that we were in. 
It's going to be real quiet in here, and that's okay, okay? That's why I'm getting this one out of the way first, all right? Because this one hit me just as hard as it's hitting anybody in here. What we put in our mouth matters because our body is his. There is a line as an individual that we know when we cross. You got Kenneth Brogans of the world, okay? The guy that's running our screen this morning, the guy that you could fill in the blank, any ministry of this church, and him or his sister are probably involved in it in some way, form, or fashion. Them kids can eat. You can keep putting food in front of them and it's just going to keep disappearing. They won't gain a single pound. That line is way out there for them. Okay? They're young. They can do that. All right? But you let me eat more than one donut, guess what happens to the scale the next morning? They can eat a box of donuts. You understand? There's a different line for a different individual, so we don't have any right to stand on our high horse and look down at somebody else for eating this or eating that. It is an individual responsibility as your body, as the, God, the, the body that God has given you, acknowledging that it belongs to Him and knowing where that line is. We cross it every fourth Thursday in November, third Thursday in November, okay? I'll give you Thanksgiving. We cross it every Christmas supper, but now as Baptists, we got whole fifth Sunday nights designed, okay, to fellowship and eat. And many times we got that paper plate. And them paper plates have a weight limit, all right? And some of us have found it, right? We found the point where that paper plate folds right in half, all right? The point of this part is that there's a line that each and every one of us, you and I know, when we cross it. And our flesh is what draws us and tempts us to cross us. What we put in our mouth matters. What we let in our eyes matters. Once it's in there, it's in there. I got to thinking about this yesterday. Ladies, I'm going to give you a glimpse into a man's brain for just a moment, okay? It is a dangerous place, okay? For many, it is a quiet place, all right? There's not much going on a lot of times for a lot of us, but what is going on is when a man sees an image and it's an image that's not righteous. It is an image that is sinful, lustful by nature. It's in there, okay? And ladies, don't get too down on them because you remember that episode or that commercial. You didn't watch an episode, but that commercial of Baywatch where them, where them lifeguards with them six-pack abs came running by, okay? It's in there, okay? When I just said it, that image flashed into your brain. And how many of you have ever been praying? You've been trying to get alone with God. You've been trying to get right with God. You've been trying to repent, and Satan begins like a highlight reel to flash all those images into the forefront of your mind. Our sin nature does not let those things go. It uses them against us. That's why it matters what you let into the eye gate. That's why it matters when you don't change the channel. That's why it matters when you watch that movie that's rated this and you watch it anyway. That's why it matters when you get on this website, young people. That's why it matters who you follow on these social media sites. That's why it matters because once it's in there, it's in there. This is another way we can prove our flesh is cursed. How many of you have the mental image of the book of John, chapter number three, in your head that you can refer back to? Not in there, is it? How many of you have the mental image of your rich relative's credit card front and back in your mind that you can refer back to? Have you ever noticed your flesh doesn't hold on to anything useful? 
anything spiritual. Some of you wish to God you could remember your social security number or you could remember your phone number or you could remember so-and-so's address. Your flesh doesn't hold on to anything that could profit you. It only holds on to something that could bring you down. Why? It's your flesh. It's sin-filled. It's cursed. And our body has been given to us as a tabernacle to dwell with God in. And if we don't control what we let in our eyes, it matters. It doesn't ever hold on to anything useful. It holds on to the things that distract us, that destroy us. What we let in our ears matter. I mean, you parents know if it goes in the ears, it comes out the mouth. If you don't believe me, have kids. Okay? Every time my son is in the general public and he begins to open his mouth, I cringe and I turn away. Because I have no idea what's going to come out of that kid's mouth. It matters what we let in our ears. You start running with the crowd, acting with the crowd, listening to a crowd. Before long, you're going to start sounding just like them. But our body belongs to him. I know this is simple this morning, but what we do with our feet matters. Where we go where we find ourselves at. Many times I have teenagers come to me as their youth pastor and they say, Pastor Bryce, this is what's happened to me. I found myself in this mess and so and so and so and so, they know about it and they're trying to ruin my reputation. They're trying to ruin my testimony. I was there and I was at this place and this is what happened and you can fill in the blank with anything you could come up with and it's probably worse. But these teenagers bring it to me and I can usually trace back the source of the problem and ask this question, what were you doing there. What were you doing there? Well, everybody else, I didn't ask what everybody else was doing there. What were you doing there? Many times when we scar and score our flesh with a bad reputation or a bad testimony, it's because our feet have brought us to a place where we ought not have been. And we look at God and we question him, why have you let this happen to me? Why has this happened? Why has this happened? Why were you there? There's a reason I don't have a red ZR1 Corvette. Because I would find myself going 150 miles an hour on I-75. And I know that. That's why I don't have one, just so you all know. Otherwise, I'd probably have one. But uh, no, I'm just messing around. But there's a reason that a lot of us don't find ourselves in places where we ought not be because we have no business being there. And when we make the conscious decision, it'll be fine. I can handle it. And the mess happens. It's not God's fault. Our feet brought us there. Where we go with our feet matters. Our earthly body belongs to him. The Bible says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means as you act, as you walk, as you talk, it's a sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Our earthly body is his. Secondly, our evangelical body is his. This is where our text verse is here in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. This is, that sounded complicated, but this is simple math. If all of our earthly bodies belong to him, and our evangelical body, the body of Christ, the church of the living God, is made up of all of our bodies, then the evangelical body is also his. Amen? 
Praise God that this thing of church, this thing of the bride of Christ, this local New Testament church, praise God, it is not up to me, it is not up to the Pope, it is not up to the President, it is not up to one single man on this planet. We'd have messed it up a long time ago, but here we are 2,023 years later, worshiping, singing, shouting, preaching the very Word of God that they preached there in the early church days, and we know this has been able to be held up. We know that the foundation is strong, as Brother Harold pointed out, because it is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Our evangelical body belongs and is ordained and is orchestrated by Him and His sweet Holy Spirit. It's this simple math this morning. Even though many of us come together to form a local New Testament Bible-believing church, it ain't up to us. This is His church. As our pastor so repetitively reminds us, this is not the pastor's church. This is not the deacon's church. This is not the congregation's church. This is the Lord's church. This is His place where He comes to meet with His people. Simple math. The Holy Spirit is still alive and working right now in 2023. How do you know? Because I still see people get saved all over this country. I still see churches growing for the right reasons because God is meeting with his people. People often refer to the good old days of the Crusades and the Billy Grahams and the Dr. Lee Robinsons and praise God for all of them. There's many people in this room that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for men like them. But God's alive today. He's still working today. He's still sending and preaching preachers and missionaries and ladies and gentlemen today. Our evangelical body is his. It's a simple math. It's a simple mission. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, <coughs> Excuse me. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. It's a simple mission this morning for our evangelical body, the church. A commandment. God has used being a father to teach me so much about him. I'm picking on Bradley this morning. I picked on Addie the last message. I've looked at Bradley before and I've said, go clean your room. That is a commandment. I want you to think about this with me. What if Bradley turned around and looked at me and said, I'll pray about it? <laughs> what? Go clean your room. Go ye therefore and do what I've commanded you to do, son. What if Bradley turned around and looked at me and said, I'll ask some of my friends and get back to you. <laughs> it's a command. Go clean your room. He said, better yet, Dad, I'll, I'll go visit some other homes in the area and see how they do it. And then I'll, I'll do it how, whichever one I figure out is best. Go clean your room. Dad, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll form a board. I'll form a committee. 
of all my buddies and we'll come together and we'll make the decision on how I'm going to, if I'm going to obey you or not. No. No is what I would tell my son. My son would be plucked up by the roots, planted firmly in the foundation of his bedroom and said, go clean your room. Why is our church blessed? Because we're following God's commandment. We're running buses. We're witnessing at our places of business. We are carrying out the great commission. It is a simple mission this morning. It is a simple commandment. But there are a lot of us, and God got smoked my heart on this. He used a great preacher yesterday morning to preach about how we are not only to love God, but we are to love others, even though that they seem unlovable, even though that they seem different, even though that they seem like there's no hope for them. We are to love them. It is a simple mission. But many times we say, I'll pray about it. Many times we say, I'll visit around and see which church I want to figure out who does it the best. Many times we say, I'm going to go ask my friends, see what they do. It's a simple mission this morning. A command. Go ye, therefore. Our evangelical body is his. Simple math, a simple mission, and a simple manifestation. The God... The gospel is simple this morning. Religion is complicated. The gospel is simple this morning. Religion is complicated. I'm thankful that there are men that understand their Bibles and that they can teach others also what they've seen and heard of the men in their lives. Let me tell you something. If it's not in the Bible, it's probably just religion. If it's not directly found in God's inspired word, it's probably more complicated than it needs to be. Amen? We make things so complicated. At work, I work in a service shop. And I tell my guys, I tell my service riders, I tell my parts people, I tell my technicians, I tell my detailers, I don't care. Any one of them could be approached at any moment by a high-tech redneck like me and say, I got me a 150 Mercury. How often do I need to change them spark plugs? And I say, you don't give them. Well, I think I'd do it every couple of months. Well, I think I'd gap them about this far, and I'd change the spark plugs here, and I'd I'd change the water pump there. You know what I tell them to do? Go get the mercury book and go to the owner's manual and find where it says, this is what you do to your engine. I say, because your opinion is probably wrong probably not as right as it could be. And guess what happens when that old high-tech redneck like me goes out and blows his motor sky high? Who's he come talk to? And they say, your people had a mercury shirt on. Your people had a suit and tie on. I came for them to the answers and I asked them what the Bible says about this and what I should do here. And they told me to do this. And now my life's a mess. Now my life's ruined. Now my motor's blown up. A lot of times we give people what we think instead of sticking to the book. It's a simple manifestation. God has manifested himself to us, his church, through his holy word. Stick to the book this morning. 
When somebody comes to you and say, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Life has happened. What do I do? Bite your tongue. Open your Bible and tell them what Jesus has said. Tell them what thus saith the Lord about these things. Why? Because our evangelical body is his. He didn't ask us for his, our opinions. He didn't ask us for our inputs. He didn't ask us for our talents. He didn't ask us for our skill sets. Rather, he plucks us up out of the miry clay, despite all our insecurities, despite all our weaknesses, and he uses us to carry out his simple mission of getting the gospel out. Stick to the book. There are many of us that have life experience and we should be clear to share it when it can help somebody. There's nothing that's going to help them more than what the Word of God says. Our evangelical body is His. And lastly, our everlasting body is His. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens... For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for what we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor, that whether we be present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that what he hath done, whether it be good or Bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. We have a temporary tabernacle this morning. Praise God that this world is not our home. Amen. Praise God that early in the mornings at my house, that snap crackle and pop is not the bowl of Rice Krispies Bradley's eating. It's me walking down the hallway. As Brother Frank and Brother Bill Schultz said, getting old ain't for sissies. Yeah, I know. I'm only 29. I'm about to celebrate, well, in the fall I'll celebrate the first anniversary of my 29th birthday. I won't be turning 30. I'm just going to have an anniversary every year. But the truth of the matter is, I praise God that we have an eternal body if we are saved. For just as much as we're promised an eternity and an eternal body with Jesus in heaven, if we've called on his name for salvation, we are also promised just as firmly and as strongly and adamantly in the word of God that if we are not saved, this body will burn forever and forever in torments where there is weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, and the flame is never quenched, and the worm never dieth. I praise God this morning that our everlasting body wasn't up to us to figure out how to do. It wasn't up to us to figure out how to attain. 
But Jesus paid for your sins and my sins on the cross of Calvary to give us eternity with him. Temporary tabernacle, timely treasures. God has not only promised us a new body, but a new place to dwell. This world is not our home. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and if I prepare it, I will come again and receive you. And there will you be with me forever. Paraphrasing there. We know we have an everlasting body. We have an everlasting home. But not only temporary tabernacles, timely treasures, but true terror. Look at verse number 10 with me in that passage again. That passage from 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. There it is. There's our body. All the things receiving done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made of... I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. The true terror of the Lord. Is not getting that everlasting body. It's that you've devalued the body you have now in such a way where you don't care where it spends eternity. Where you don't care where you end up when you close your eyes in death. That's the most dangerous place to be this morning. The second most dangerous place to be this morning is to have surrendered your earthly body and you have a promise of an everlasting body. But you're going to stand before that Bema seat and you're going to give an account for everything done while you were here as a Christian saved child of God. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, I want to go to heaven, but yeah, I want to hear well done. I want to hit the rapture or hit my deathbed wide open for the Lord. Why are you always in such a hurry? Why do you talk so fast? Why, why are you always moving here doing this? Why? I can't slow down. We shouldn't be slack or weary concerning the promises of God. If our earthly bodies are his, our evangelical bodies are his, and our everlasting bodies are his, are we living like it today? If you forsake your earthly body as the musicians come, if you forsake your earthly body, you'll never be a part of the evangelical body, and you'll never have an everlasting body. This morning on a Sunday morning, I do want to give a moment of invitation. There's one in here this morning that's lost. That's never came and received the free pardon of sin. Jesus died for you. No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been a part of, Jesus died for your sins, just as he died for mine. There's a child of God in here this morning that may not be doing the things that they should be doing with their earthly body. Or they may not be doing the things that they should be doing with their evangelical body and be involved in the Great Commission. I challenge you this morning. Take this time of invitation right there where you're at in your pew or here in an altar. And remind yourself that it's his body and it's his choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you so much for the church you've given me to be a part of, the family you've given me to be a part of. 
Thank you so much for your promises that we will spend forever and ever in eternity with you one day. I ask these things in Jesus' name.